you're making decisions on a, a really intense level of sometimes life or death. death. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, of following your instincts and what in your gut feels like the right decision, but also experience enables you to make the most calculated um, moves forward. Trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Jesse here at Ironclad, and I am really excited about the podcast we're bringing to you today. We have on the show one of the best climbers in the world, Sasha DeJulian. Now, she's won the world championships for best female overall. She's placed silver in the bouldering world championships and bronze in the duel. Listen, Sasha has been the undefeated Pan American champion from 2004 to today, and she is a three-time U.S. national champion. Sasha is also the first woman to climb the north face of Iger Mountain, which is a crazy achievement. You can see that video on YouTube. It is it is thrilling and scary and awesome and inspiring, just like Sasha. She is such an inspiring person. I was so excited to talk to her because not only did she talk about climbing, but also about the things that motivate her, not just as, a, as an athlete, but as a person. Uh, Sasha is, is such a cool person. She's also a really accomplished writer whose work has appeared in National Geographic, Rock and Ice, self 17 and crave this is one of my favorite interviews i've done in a long time and i'm excited to bring to you right now sasha DeJulian. well hey let's let's go ahead and jump right in you know i i want to obviously you've had so many incredible achievements and it's you know it's such a cool sport and it's picking up i feel like so much kind of momentum and awareness in the culture how did you first get into climbing I started climbing in 1998 after my brother had a birthday party at a local climbing gym. So what, what drew you to it? Like, you know, I, I think uh, I can remember going to like a climbing gym birthday party and I was terrible and I, I, I thought the sport was really cool, but, but what, what kind of like personally drew you to climbing? Um, I just really enjoyed the fact that it was just me on the wall and, and it was up to me to progress upward. I was a competitive figure skater through my youth and, um, you know, I practiced through ballet. I dabbled in a lot of different sports. I, um, started skiing when I was three and, um, played soccer, I did swim team, but I think that climbing, I mean, I just, I just really enjoyed it. Um, and the gym employee working the birthday party told, um, my mom, you should bring her back for junior team practice. She's really talented. Um, which I'm sure is like the same thing that they told all the kids, but (laughs) little did they know. (laughs) Yeah. Little did they know that that ego boost was exactly what, what I needed to stay involved. Um, so yeah, it kind of like progressed from there. Um, kind of exponentially. I, a year later stumbled upon the first competition and that was like my window into competitive climbing. And I started really competing from about age seven onwards till I was about, um, 22, 23. And, and yeah. You, you mentioned a little, like, you know, obviously you're an incredible athlete and had, had kind of, uh, dabbled in a lot of different sports. What do you think it is kind of like personality wise that drew to you, drew you to something that, 
you know, unlike some sports where, you know, there are kind of these team dynamics and, you know, when one player is having maybe a bad day, one of the other players can pick up slack. When you're on the wall, it's just you. What do you think it is that kind of drew you to that kind of individual aspect of it? Um, yeah, I mean, climbing is by nature an individual sport. You do have your climbing partner, which is very much a companionship that you develop because you're literally putting your life in each other's hands every time you, you step off the ground. Um, but I, I really like the sense of control over myself and being able to dictate my progression. Um, you know, it's like a very clear input output formula, like the amount of effort that you put into improving as a climber, both mentally and physically is what you can get out of it. Um, you're not really depending on anyone else in order to gauge your success. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I played like field hockey through, um, high school. And that that's kind of like a fact that a lot of people don't know, but I love that team aspect because you have a lot of camaraderie and, you know, you're all working together to this common goal. But what I really appreciate out of climbing is that it's up to you to have the best day that you can have, um, not up to your other team members. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's so cool. And, you know, the other thing about like climbing in particular, it's the stakes are obviously way higher than a lot of sports where, you know, if, if you make a mistake on the field hockey uh, field or, you know, if I like play basketball growing up, if I, you know, made a mistake, you know, the stakes were relatively low. It comes down to kind of win losses, but obviously what, what you do, there's this, a real element of kind of, physicality and danger to, you know, in certain conditions. Is that something that drew you to it? Have you always kind of had that impulse to kind of, um, that, that sort of like searching for that kind of excitement and kind of danger that comes with something like climbing compared to other sports? I guess it's a relative danger, but. Yeah. Climbing does have an inherent risk factor involved, even at the gym level, because you have to know how to use the equipment and use it properly. And, and as you graduate into more expedition style outdoor endeavors, um, which is a lot of what I focus on now, you know, you're making decisions on a, a really intense level of sometimes life or death, death. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, of following your instincts and what, in your gut feels like the right decision, but also experience enables you to make the most calculated um, moves forward too. So I, I would say that I've really appreciated the growth that I've felt like I continuously can experience in my sport of being able to learn how to make the best decisions possible. And, and safety is always really important. Um, I want to, when I'm on an expedition, respect my teammates and their levels of mitigating risk, and then also weigh all of the circumstances so that we can always put safety first, but then also push our limits um, to accomplish what we don't know is possible or not. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, a lot of the skills that you kind of mentioned of kind of going with your gut and relying on your instincts and your experiences, I feel like can translate to a lot of areas of, of life. Do you feel like as someone who 
has spent so much time in this sport and has reached, you know, the, the kind of peak levels of the sport, how has those skills that climbing has helped you develop, you know, kind of on the, on the mental and emotional side, how are they translated to other parts of your life? There are a lot of transferable skills that I find you can, you can get from sport to general life. For me personally with climbing, it is goal setting, understanding how to work hard in order to achieve something, the sense of immense satisfaction, um, personal satisfaction that I will feel when I accomplish something that I didn't know was possible that defines why it's so important for me to set those goals and and why on the days that feel really hard or where my will is struggling to actually put in the hours to train and and to arrive at the point that I want to be in order to accomplish what I set out to do it makes all of it make sense hmm. and then also I've learned a lot about time management as far as juggling different aspects of my life and sport and being able to build in that structure to get all of it done. Yeah. You know, the, we, we also, Ironclad also has a a podcast that's hosted by a a sports psychologist and, you know, he talks to a lot of athletes about kind of the mental aspect of training. And, and and obviously you spend a tremendous amount of time uh, training physically and in the gym, but what are some, what, what are some techniques that you use to kind of prepare yourself mentally for the challenges that climbing presents? Visualization is a big aspect of what I do for training, especially now that I'm injured. I have to take about 10 months off of climbing this year for four different hip surgeries I'm undergoing. And visualization is a really helpful technique in just thinking and and, um, imagining myself on past climbing experiences, watching climbing videos and seeing myself in those environments studies have proven that that can actually cause muscle fibers Mm. to be working even when you're in a sedentary state. Um, Another thing is breath work. I think that that being able to control your breath in high stress environments is really important. So I'll do that through a series of breath work exercises, but also when I swim doing breath holds and I would say that the mental composure is a lot to do with when, when you're at a high stress situation, being able to stay calm and keep a level head and not have what, what we deem as paralysis analysis, which Mm -hmm. can kind of happen when you're faced with extreme consequences and it's almost like you freeze. So Mm -hmm. what I try and do to mitigate that is think, um, neutrally, honestly, it's, it's not about thinking about negative or positive to get you out of situations that are really real. It's more about recognizing what is and then operating from there. Yeah. That again, that those seems like, you know, we, that's something we even talk about kind of in our, in our company, you know, just in kind of meetings with things is like that paralysis analysis of, you know, but it's such an interesting skill, like I said, because so many of the skills you're talking about translates to other parts of life. And the other, the other kind of skills that I kind of think about, and again, I, 
I've only attempted climbing a couple of times and they were disastrous attempts, but, uh, but it seems like some of the skills when it comes to that particular sport is this degree of focus and concentration. And for a lot of people, especially kind of in the modern era where, we're inundated with distractions, whether they kind of just be digital or kind of the news cycle. It's very easy for those skills, you know, focus and concentration to sort of atrophy. How do you keep those two those skills in particular sharp so that when it's time to compete, that you already have the ability to lock in? That's a great question. I would say that for focus and concentration on a day-to-day basis, what helps me a lot is setting daily intentions and knowing what my schedule is, even as far as building in my workouts to my Google calendar that's alongside my meetings so that I can stay focused and, and be fully present in whatever um, block of time it is that I'm, I'm delivering on. So be it meetings or be it my training and eliminate those distractions. What I also do, which I I learned about through Stephen Kotler, who's one of my favorite sports genre authors, is doing what's called a media fast in the morning. Hmm. So when I wake up, the first thing that I do is I'll write about three to seven things that I feel grateful for. And, and that could be anything from... Um, my house, where I live, to more articulated reasons like my health, um, my body in this recovery stage, stuff like that. And I try and diversify it each each morning. And then I'll engage in what I call media fast. And that's about for the first hour that I'm awake, I won't check anything digital. Um, I try and, and start my morning slowly before logging on to, you know, Instagram or any sort of social media or email apps. And I find that that allows me to gain the composure for my day without any sort of external noise that could affect my emotional state. And I'll make my my breakfast smoothie and kind of do my routine steps. And then once I'm at that hour, hour and a half mark, that's when I'll dive into whether it's my emails or listening to like, I listen to the daily each morning, um, stuff like that. Yeah. It's always, it's always good to start off with a little Michael Barbaro. He's a, you know, good to, (laughs) good to keep you informed. Yeah. It's a great pod. Um, it's interesting, you you know, you, you starting your day with intentionally, articulating gratefulness that, that that's really fascinating to me it, it, is that, did you say that's an element that you picked up from a, a sports book or is the, or did that come from kind of a different area like what where did that practice begin yeah the practice began from the different people on my team that I work with and establishing what my morning routine is going to be shaped best as and the media fast element came from Stephen Kotler. I listened to him on a podcast with Corey Richards in um, Rome, which I'm a part of the Founders Club with. It's basically a, a media platform for adventure storytelling. And, and he gave a really great podcast synopsis of some daily routines that he practices. And I kind of adopted it from him. 
That's very cool. And it's an inspiring way to start. I mean, I feel like it's got to, you know, have a secondary benefit of just kind of, you know, when you start things with gratefulness and gratitude and and appreciation, it's got to start your day on a positive note, especially when there are things like the daily that, you know, it's a great show, but there's a lot of reminders of all the things to be worried about or have anxiety about. It seems like that it would have a lot of benefits, you know, starting with gratitude more than just sort of, you know, kind of the mental composure. Do you, do you, is that something, you know, that you kind of incorporate into other aspects of your life too, just kind of approaching things with, with that optimism and positivity? Yeah. I try and think of every day as a fresh start. So maybe I didn't have as healthy of a day the day before, whatever it may be. I try and see each day as just something new and today affects tomorrow. Um, so, so really living within my pillars of proper sleep, proper nutrition, proper hydration and proper exercise uh, are really important for me to achieve and in whatever means that is possible for me that day. And we live in a really comparative culture right now where it's really easy to get a little bit bogged down about what you have versus what you don't have instead of looking at the world and in this abundance model of someone else achieving something and and just being genuinely happy for them. And and that's where I try and stay. And, And it's been a really healthy model for me to try and live by, especially going through injury, because it's easy to have this sense of FOMO and, and what I'm not doing versus what I am doing. And I may see someone achieving something that's really awesome in the climbing world, for instance. And, and I, I try and be as excited for them as possible and not see that as any sort of threat to who I am or what I have. And, and I think that that is the way that we can all really lift each other up in a, in a natural, genuine way versus wishing that it were my achievements, for instance. So, and, and I think that gratitude plays a really big factor in that because when I feel grateful for everything that I have, and I can recognize the really small details of it that have nothing to do with my climbing career, then that level of threat that could impinge on per se my status as a professional climber, it becomes more irrelevant to me. And that's been really helping me kind of grow and really be genuinely supportive of people within my industry and, and not in my industry. That, that is so cool to hear from an athlete because I feel like a lot, of, especially like, especially a professional athlete where I feel like I hear so many that, you know, they go the opposite direction. You know, they, they take this kind of competitive nature and become, it becomes hyper competitive. I don't, did you see the last yeah. dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and you're like, and I'm not, I'm not judging. Like I, I've never met him. I'm sure, you know, he's, I'm sure he, there's a lot of great things about him, but the, the kind of the impression you get from the documentary is like, man, that, that, that cutthroat spirit, it seems to really have dramatically affected a lot of his relationships in his life. And I don't know if necessarily for the positive, it's very cool to kind of hear someone like yourself who's, who's achieved so much athletically and, and, and professionally and, and personally not look at it as like, 
you know, trying to tear other people down, but to really build people up. That's a really refreshing perspective to hear from an athlete. I think that the competitive nature is what enables athletes to really thrive. And I am a really competitive person. I just try and categorize it into being present when I'm on the wall rather than when I'm looking at the successes of people within my industry. And, and I I think it's hard, like it's not an easy thing. And that's why it takes, it's like a muscle that you need to train on a daily basis. Yeah. Speaking of training, I, w- I want to shift gears uh, just a little. You know, we, we talk to a, a lot of athletes and and, and different, uh, you know, kind of everyone from, you know, Navy SEALs to, uh, you know, endurance athletes. And I, I recently had Gabby Reese on the show and she was kind of talking about she has a really interesting and, and kind of reiterated some of the uh, core elements of kind of wellness and fitness that you mentioned with uh breathing and hydration and, and, a, and a kind of a proper holistic approach to, to fitness. What are some of your, the kind of the philosophical uh, approaches you bring when it comes to fitness training and nutrition? I try and listen to my body as much as I can. It's one thing to have my training schedule written out each week by my trainer and, and adhere to that and, you know, go through the list of crossing things off that I accomplish But I think that when I wake up and I feel especially sore or tired, there needs to be room for adjustment there. Um, And also going through this big injury, it's been teaching me a lot about finding appreciation in the stillness and also accumulating some more patience because after my, my first and second surgeries where they essentially broke my pelvic bone in four places and reconstructed it, um, I couldn't do much. Like I couldn't really do anything at all for the first six weeks. And now I'm still kind of relearning how to walk and and move. And I can do, you know, minimal amounts of physical exercise, like a stationary bike or swimming is something I've been doing a lot and diving back into my upper body. But I think that remembering to be kind to your body is really important in both recovery and pushing your limits stage because you have to kind of push yourself to where it hurts and then go a little bit further in order to improve on the training side. But then on the resting side, you have to recognize like, if you have a hard day and your body's trying to recover, but it's not yet there, um, I don't find I'll reap the benefits of that hard training session if I don't also respect the recovery aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, I think if anyone follows you in any capacity on social media or just your career, one thing that you've been, you know, you've been very vocal about, uh, you know, addressing things like racial injustice and, uh, you know, gender equality issues and, and, and issues involving the environment, you know, for, for, for you, like, why is it so important to use the platform that you have to speak out and kind of inform and educate your, your followers and your fans about some of these issues? I think it's really important because traditionally athletes and celebrities 
of the sort have been told to not get political, not be controversial. And, and with social media, that landscape's kind of changed because we each individually have a platform and a voice to express our opinions and to connect with the audiences that we care about and that we feel connected to. And I've always seen it as what's the point in having a voice if you don't responsibly use it to cultivate a better world and and to really stand up for aspects like climate action and our environment and also equality and justice for everyone. Hmm. What what is has you know I I think it's I think that is awesome and you know we, we live in a time where you know some people can take any issue and find you know there, there's a real problem right now with sort of this outrage culture and you know people uh, finding things to kind of be angry about is how do you deal with people who may be critical of things that you're posting is it something that you try to ignore those voices or or, or engage with them what's what's your, kind of your strategy there. I try and do both, honestly. Some some opinions are totally out of left field to me to the point that I just I don't find that the arguments presented in a cognitive way. So I'll just ignore that. Um, and and then when there's sound points that I feel like okay, this is opposition from the other side, and it's worth addressing and having this healthy dialogue with. Those are sometimes I'll follow up um, privately with that person and and just have a chat. But it's impossible to individually talk to everyone um, on social media. And it's it's also, you know, like people are going to judge you without having ever met you and make opinions based on their own gauge of who you are and and. That can affect you. I mean, I'm definitely not bulletproof, but I've certainly developed a callous skin over time. So not pun intended, I guess, climbing. <laughs> but um, yeah, you just choose your battles. And I've always believed that standing up for yourself is really important. Um, being a, a good role model for the people that, that you hope to be a good role model for is important and values are are what I kind of try and live by. Like what I believe is right is going to be my North star of, of what guides me into the decisions I make on social media. Mm, that's so, that's so again, so refreshing to hear Sasha. I really appreciate that perspective. And I think it's so important for, for people to hear that. And, you know, before we, we try to, before we end every podcast kind of do it's sort of a lightning round, if that's cool, of, of sure. just some 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 insights and and perspectives that you know are kind of tangible takeaways for some of our listeners. So so the first one is, what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. I mean, my dad always said three things to me, which were, "Have fun, be safe, and do your best," and and those are the three mantras that I try and live by. That's great. That's a that's a very fun uh, uh, piece of advice. I, that's, I'm going to pass yeah. that along too. Uh, okay, if you could go back ten years and tell yourself something uh, other than like you know invest in you know Tesla or something, <laughs> but I mean if you want to pick that you can. But uh, if you go back ten years and tell yourself something, what would it be? Um, I'd probably say that 
focus on yourself and don't let the opinions of others distract you. Mm. I, yeah, I started climbing when I was six and I was in the limelight within our industry by about 16 when I was winning adult open nationals and competing on the international stage. And I was inundated by a lot of opinions of people who didn't know me and, and that, that hurt me. And I think over the years I've, I've learned from that and learned how to deal with it more. And, and so I think that, um, advising myself to just stay, stay true to who I am and and not get too distracted by those opinions would be important. That's good. What, what, what is, what is one thing you think uh, a person should do every single day? I am a big believer in practicing gratitude. And so I think taking a moment for yourself each day to, to find a little bit of stillness, it can be like five to 10 minutes. It's not a big time commitment and just be where you are and recognize what you have is important. Mm, That's good. Uh, What is the attribute that you think every leader should seek to foster in themselves? defining and being aware of your non-negotiable values. Mm, that's good. What, what, what is the best, and especially in today's climate, I think there's a lot of leaders at all <laughs> levels that would, should heed that advice. What is the best way to stay disciplined in the pursuit of your passions? I find making smart goals weekly and daily are really important. Sometimes it's hard to, foresee a really big overarching goal and and know how to get there. And so I find breaking it down into little baby steps is my method. That's good. You know, in addition to being, being a climber and a speaker and, you know, uh, being, you know, an influencer online, you're also an accomplished writer. So what are two books that you would recommend people read? If you could recommend two books, what would they be? Oh, two books. I'd say Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Mm. And I also, I really loved Educated by Tara Westover, I believe. Yeah. 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 That's, she, she, she grew up in like the, the like fundamentalist sort of like religious uh, kind of semi-cult, right? That's her story? Yeah, totally. And, and it's a really awesome um in-depth uh memoir of of what she went through and really gives you a window into different parts of the country yeah and she's a very thoughtful writer too totally um okay if you could if you could tell a young listener who wants to make an impact on the world but doesn't know where to get started uh something what would you tell them what would your advice be i do start local um even when it comes to lobbying and, and making any sort of legislative change, every single person in this country has the capacity uh, as a citizen to write to your officials um, that, you know, you can easily find that information online and, and get the word out, whether it's writing a handwritten letter, writing an email, making a phone call. All right. Two more. What if, if in your mind, what is more important being a mentor or having a mentor? Um, I would say, I would say both. I mean, I think that having a good core circle of people that whose opinions you trust and you listen to is really important because it's good to have a diverse set of opinions as well. 
Um, mentorship is great, but you want to have kind of like this variety of, of opinions to go off of. Mm, that's good. All right. Finally, this is one we ask every guest and it's kind of become our, our, our breakout, uh, breakout question is, uh, if you could issue listener, you know, we, a lot of our listeners, you know, listen because they, they really want to hear I- insights from, from people who are elite performers and have, have achieved a lot in their, uh, you know, professions in their lives. If you could issue listeners a one week challenge, basically they, for the next seven days would do whatever you say, you know, for, for a challenge, you know, some people it's getting up at, you know, we talked to one of our, our friends who's like a Navy SEAL who it's, you know, getting up at four and starting the, the day. Some people, you know, it's a different oh, wow. thing every day. Yeah. <laughs> some of those guys, man, <laughs> good yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not uh, a morning person. Yeah, so I, I, would say, <laughs> I would say, um, every day for a week, write down five things that you're grateful for that are different each day. Um, do five minutes of breath work and get outside for 30 minutes or more. That's awesome. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that challenge. I'm going to try all three of those. those sound <laughs> I will like, too. <laughs> and they don't involve having to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I really appreciate you having on me on the podcast. This was awesome. All right. What I tell you, it was a great interview, man. So many great takeaways there. I love that one week challenge. Definitely going to try that. But hey, listen, if you're looking for more content like this, be sure to check out more content on the Ironclad Content Network. Be sure to head over, check out our YouTube page where you can find podcasts from Brian Kane, from Ashley Horner, more interviews like this on the Ironclad Podcast. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram. We're looking forward to bringing you more great content every week. So be sure to subscribe, like, recommend, tell your friends, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Ironclad Podcast.